Hi, this is Corey Liebram with Texas Baptist, and you're listening to the Live on Mission podcast. Today we are live on the podcasts, the Live on Mission podcast with Igo Global, and I have another great guest, a youth ministry guru from Rockwall, Texas, the the hometown of this podcast, if there is such a thing. This is the one and only Corey Libram in the house. We're live together in this thing. It's not Zoom. We're we're really doing it. Corey, welcome to the Live on Mission podcast. Excited to be here and live in Rockwall. Live. Texas. Live on mission, live on mission. I don't know exactly what we're doing, but this is going to be good, bro, and I'm glad that you're here. when I say youth ministry guru, I'm not I'm not just being nice, bro. Like you've been doing this a long time. Corey's a uh, been around ministry. He grew up in the ministry with his dad in ministry. He's one of those PKs. He's been in youth ministry for a long, long time. Here in Rockwall, First Baptist Rockwall. How long were you the youth pastor at First Rockwall? I was in youth ministry 18 years, and then three years as family ministry. 18 so, years. So the 21. last three. Mm-hmm. And then you transition to a different role. Yeah. You're with the Texas Baptist now. I am. Wow. I'm, I'm with the Baptist General Convention of Texas, which they shortened to Texas Baptist. But it is easier. Yeah. I mean, BGCT was always easy to say, but Texas Baptist, it kind of right. rolls right out there. Right. Yeah. But then you say BGCT, and then people are like, what is that? So you got to say, say it all over anyways. <laughs> but, so, so Texas Baptist is just easy to yes. say that. And we're going to talk about your role in just a second, but this is the Live on Mission podcast, so we don't we don't just jump into stuff. We 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 want to make sure we our audience gets to know you a little bit, bro. And so uh, you you have a wife. I do. You got kids. I have two. Tell us about them. So my wife Rachel is a pediatric uh, cardiac ICU nurse. So wow. She works with really sick kids, and it's a, if there ever is a calling to ministry, then she's in it, uh, working with those families that are going through really difficult times. Yeah, front lines. Um, and then my son Owen is seven, he's in the first grade, and then my daughter Ella is five, and she is in uh, pre-K, but uh, she pretty much tells everybody in our family what to do. Mm. So, Kids are the greatest yeah, about that. So. The greatest so, joy. Like my first question for you really is about Owen because I is it is it true that kind of secretly, without anyone really knowing it until this podcast, that you kind of wish his name was Gus a little bit. Okay, yeah. So we can thank Dub for that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> we should have called him Gus. We should have called him Gus yeah. Augustus at least. <laughs> we could have. Uh, uh, who knows what trouble poor Owen would have got in with yeah. that name? Yeah. 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 I know one time we were out and you guys saw him and it really caused him some issues for the next few days. Kind of going, <laughs> why do those people call me Gus, Dad? I have that effect on kids. Yeah. <laughs> Cause issues. But yeah, I, I have to stop and make myself say, oh no, his name's not Gus. That's right. I don't, I don't know how this happened. Something at Silvercliff. I don't know what yeah. happened, but like... I just, when I see him, I think Gus. I well, probably always will. That happens with our friend Cole Reisner and his, his little boy um, because his name is Towns. And I was like, How, what, name your kid Towns. I mean, I know it's a country music thing, but yeah. like, but it, the whole time, I, the reason I remembered his name was from Carl Anthony Towns, that plays for the Timberwolves. So yes. I'm like, how's Carl? How's Anthony? No, how's, how's, <laughs> Towns? how's Towns? Got to it, finally. I so. just call I just call Cole's boy Waylon. I just feel like, <laughs> why would I not call him Waylon? That's uh, true. Cole is my farm boy for life. So, yeah. uh, second question. This is what we call the rapid fire. I don't know if you know this, but I just ask random questions yeah. that you weren't prepared for. That's fine. And that's what I like. Um, my second question is, if you're starting, if you're starting an NBA team, who are you picking with your first pick? A rookie, Luca, or a rookie, Dirk? Oh, that's a. I'm sorry. I love Dirk, but it's rookie, Luca. Are you serious? Yes. 
Yeah. You think that he will be able to build, bring a championship to this city? Well, again? if I'm starting a team, then I'm, that means my team is already going to be competitive in the first two or three years. Because of Luca, mm-hmm. not not with Dirk. Did, did you weren't you here? <laughs> I mean, I love. I might Dirk. have been in Houston back then. Yeah, I don't know. but like the, he was not even on the radar for two or three years. You know, he just looked like another one of those Euro guys that Don Nelson drafted, right? And then was going to be out of the league in two years. Right. So yeah, so yeah. I mean, will will Luca bring that? I don't know. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. But I. Yeah, I, I, if I'm starting a team, I'm starting with Luke. I'm going to roll that, that dice. The Luca wagon. You're yeah. on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, hindsight is twenty twenty until twenty twenty happened, and then I, <laughs> I, I don't even know if that works anymore. Like, that was wow. the worst hindsight of all time. That was. How many events did I do that January that were Vision 2020? Right. And, man, none of that. Yeah. We didn't do any of those visions. I think we did a series um, in Rockwall, like in 20... 13 2014 like what's like it was called 2020 what's your life going to be like in 2020 having them think about their future when yeah. they're going to be college students as adult and adults little did we know they had no idea what was coming oh yeah you knew in 2015 2020 is going to be awesome yeah yeah it was for sure so, okay so i'm gonna keep the mavericks thing going because okay. i know you i, yeah, I know where your heart is i'm gonna me. speak your heart language mm-hmm. it's a good missionary i want you to build the mount rushmore for the mavericks okay um, four. You got four. Okay. You only got four. Okay. And I know we're gonna do Luca and Dirk. I'm assuming. Yeah, we'll put them on there. Okay. I'll put Dirk first. Like, don't don't give me. That's from my heart is there. Like. Yeah. I'm, he's not. Luca hasn't replaced that yet. Um, but uh, so yeah, you put those two, and then I guess the third one would be Rolando Blackman. I was wondering if you would so, bring Rolando. I'm a real guy. Yeah. Um, you know, he's still with the team in, in some ways. And um, I'm going to bring in my fourth pick. It's going to be kind of a little controversial, maybe. I hope so. Um, but uh, I'm going to put Roy Tarpley on the wow the, that. yeah. Roy Tarpley. Yeah, maybe the promise of what he could have been and not necessarily what he was. Because in that 87, 88, I think is when they went to the Western Conference Finals. Um like he was it. He made that. He made them go. And you know, if he just could have stayed uh, off yeah. the drugs, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot which, of things he needed if, to stay. If, but uh, but I I think he was he could have been great. Um, so maybe kind of had to throw a wild card in there. You know, that is a wild card. But yeah. uh, so um, one of the first thing when I was on got on Facebook years and years and years ago. Like, he accepted my friend request, Roy Tarpley. He was wow. playing basketball in, like, Asia or yeah, Russia or somewhere. That's like, hilarious. And uh, he, yeah, he was, he accepted, and I was, like, so ecstatic and, like, going, <laughs> hey, Roy Tarpley, who is Roy Tarpley? I was like, yeah. You know, you, if I told you, you would have been excited for me. I would have been but. excited for you. I've been like, you doing drugs? Like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't. But um, how much of that Facebook? The fact that you're Facebook friends with Roy Tarpley, how much of that plays into your Mount Rushmore decision? I mean, uh, a little bit, right? Uh, I mean, that you got you 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 kicked Harper to the curve. Yeah, I, and I love Derek Harper. Like, don't get me wrong. But, I thought uh, you were going with Brad Davis. I mean, see, I was like, how could you not? I, yeah, that would have been a sentimental pick. Maybe not a wild card pick, but yeah. Sentimental. Sentimental pick. But uh, you run, you, Since we were talking so much Rockwall stuff, you ever run into Sean Marion? Uh, I saw him um, in Kroger one day. On this uh, side of town? No. Oh, the other, other side. The side of town. dark his, side? His yeah. side of town. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, the... the the Heath side. The Heath side of town. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's where I saw him. Um, but everybody that, like, walked past him, like, just turned and looked at him. Like, you yeah. know, they knew. I don't know if they knew who he was. Yeah. But, but he's just so tall. He's a tall dude. He was just like, who is that guy? So, yeah. Um, I have a friend that worked on his house that did some, some um, painting or something there and just said it was amazing. Like, his closet was like two or three stories high. Wow. Like, Sean know. doesn't do his own painting. I wouldn't weird. think so. Huh. Yeah. I ran into him at Costco about three weeks ago. Uh-huh. I almost ran into him. I turned a corner and boom, there's a big tall dude. Yeah. 
And in the moment, I just looked at him. I said, hey, what's up, Sean? Yeah. And he goes, not much. And I just walked away. Right. And Austin was so mad at me. He's like, you didn't get a picture or nothing? I was like, no, I'm not going to bother him in his hometown. No way. Yeah. Not at Costco. No, no. I've not, I, let's bring this back around. I saw Rolando Blackman, and, uh, and, and it was at a game, so it wasn't that out of place. But, uh, but he, he was just kind of walking around. And I was like, hey, what's up, bro? And he just said, same thing. Not a lot, man. Good to see you. Go Mavs. <laughs> so I was like, same yeah. kind of thing. I'd just rather we just say hey to those guys, and yeah. I don't want to mess, you no. know, bother them. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's good. Okay, so that's your Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I think so. I may I may regret that last pick, but um, you're going with it. I don't you know who's strong with it. Who else? Who else would go in that slot? I mean, it's just a. It, it is a while. I think the first three are pretty. That's pretty, pretty set. Pretty solid. Um, you know. JJ Brea. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could put. I mean, you could put Steve Nash. You could put Finley in there. Sure. I'm sure. I, I mean, that'd, you could put. That'd you be could fine. make an argument for Cuban or Carlisle. Probably. Uh, I'd go Cuban before I'd go yeah. Carlisle. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a Carlisle hater or anything like that. But yeah. uh, I mean, it's not like I put Dennis Rodman on there or anything. No. So, Can't do that. He did play with the Mavericks for a while. Jason Kidd's a good, like. The career bookends, right? yeah, yeah. But okay, yeah. I didn't, I don't have Jamal Mashburn or yeah Jimmy Jackson any of <laughs> any of that on there. Yeah, half the people that are listening to this are just going, "Are those real names?" Are, are <laughs> we they, made up names. Yeah, or, yeah. If, they, if they're still listening. Well, we got we got two audiences. We got youth ministers, and they know this world. And yeah. they got students are like Rolando Blackman. Yeah, That's look it up, guys. Name. Yeah, that look dude could up. shoot. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Okay. Thanks for playing along. I think it's good. I, I don't know if that helps our audience or not, but like mm-hmm. we, we like talking to real people about real things. So let's talk about this new role a okay. little bit. Let's talk about what that role is, because we already said you're with Texas Baptist, and that sounds pretty important. That sounds pretty significant if I'm just being flat-out honest. Like, wow, you work with Texas Baptists, but... There's a specific role that comes with that. You pulled out your business card, so tell me what it is. I, I have to look at it because I always forget what my title is. So I'm Youth and Family Ministry Specialist on the Discipleship, t- discipleship Team in the Center for Church Health. Um, and if, if you know much about Baptist life, like we, they reorganize all the time. Yes. So their latest reorganization uh, has the Center for Church Health which basically includes all the areas of church work, discipleship, evangelism, church music, church health. We've got a church architecture side of that. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, and so, like, you know, on our team is, is Super Summer. You know, Leighton Flowers is the director of the evangelism. And um, uh, so Super Summer's under that with Jason Richards and his team and, um, and then Congresso, which does our Hispanic uh, evangelism for, for students. And so there's, there's a lot that's there. And, and what's really cool is before this center, they created this, those were, they were in all different areas. Gotcha. And so for, for me coming in and working in the discipleship area, it's been really good to be on the same team with them. But um, our discipleship area, there's, there's just three of us. There's an adult discipleship director. His name's David Adams. And then a childhood specialist, Jennifer Howington. And uh, Jennifer is, is relatively new. She came in January, and I came in March. And okay. so uh, we've just been building our team together and working together. And, um, and uh, traditionally, this has just been youth ministry. But they added family into that when they, when, uh, when they posted this job description. So... Uh, Jane Wilson had been had held that post for you know probably 20 years, uh, and um, so she retired last fall. And you know where we were in our life and our family, uh, we were in a great church and a great situation at First Baptist Rockwall. Sure. Um, and was not going to leave just for any other position. And so the opportunity to come and and work on this team and have some influence. In across our state uh, was just a really good, uh, attractive thing for for us and for me, and and 
and so yeah I'm, I'm excited about this I'm excited about my role there excited about the people I get to interact with um, and, and try to serve our churches across Texas so when you say Baptists uh, have a, a habit of reorganizing every now and then it's almost like a hobby for them it is um, or us I guess I should say yes but every now and then they kind of get it right it sounds like they've got they found like a sweet spot with this church health thing and all these guys and gals working together that sounds really really cool right what you gonna say something about that like, no no they they you know there's five centers that we've done in Texas Baptist life they've and, and, and it really does fit into that. Our, our center is the largest. Besides the, I mean, the collegiate ministry is its own center. Yeah. That's obviously the largest one. But as far as in the actual building, you know, people that work in, in the Dallas building, uh, ours is, is the largest one. Um, and so it, in some ways it's harder, you know, because there's so many people on our team. But, um, but it does make it easy just to kind of work, you know, um, Jason and I have, have collaborated a lot talking about ways to make uh, Super Summer and, and evangelism and discipleship what, what I'm doing and Conclave, I know we'll talk about that in a little bit, um, try to make those come together. This year at Conclave, we really did try to highlight uh, our Congresso, tried to highlight um, some of our African-American evangelism ministries. And, um, and so it, it, it really does provide a good opportunity, even though it's a large team, um, to be able to do that. But you're, you're going to ask a question about specifically the getting so, this right. Yeah, like, like what is that role? On that team, when you say youth and family a discipleship specialist, mm-hmm. we, we will talk about Conclave, but I think that's the easy – Thing. Like people see, oh, Corey's now in charge of Conclave. That's the visible big event, and, right. and I want to get there. But like, what do you see as like the focus of your job? Yeah. So the focus of my job is to just is to help assist churches, pastors, volunteers, youth pastors, and because you know, there's uh, I don't I can't remember the number. I should know the number. How many Baptist churches we represent? I mean, it's in the thousands um, that we. Uh, support and there's no way obviously I can support all those churches and deal with them but uh, and some of our larger churches really don't need that much help from us but it's those smaller churches which is the make up the majority of the churches that we have that have less than a hundred in their church have youth groups of probably in the teens yeah Um, it's those churches that that I love talking with those pastors and Hmm. um, because usually in those churches there's just a pastor that's a full-time right and so being able to talk to them about okay what's it look like in your town what's it look like in your church culture who do you have serving who could we talk to about leading your youth ministry uh, or if they've got a volunteer or a part-time person that's leading their youth ministry just sitting down and, and visiting with them um, a lot of times most of these church leaders just need some encouragement need some prayer need some resources yep um, things that that you or I would be like, oh, we know how, we know where to find that, um, and it's not that they're ignorant or that they're they're stupid. They just they've not they're not informed. Nobody right. that's that's not part of their world, and so at some point that wasn't part of my world of knowing where to find those resources, and so um, part of that is just being able to to connect them with other churches that are doing some of those similar things. Um, you know, I, I had a conversation with, uh, with a family minister, family pastor, um, that again, that, that title is different in every church. <laughs> what's, what's great about the youth minister or youth pastor or in some churches, youth director, um, that title, um, is, is pretty much universal. I know, okay, they're working with teenagers right um in some of our african-american churches that title means they're working with all the kids if you're the youth director you're in charge of birth i mean that would be the family the next gen pastor um but most of the youth you know what that means we say you're a children's pastor or or a or a kids minister or a preschool i got that but when you say family like what does that mean like does that mean and in this church that i was talking to he is he's in charge of everything all the kids wow. and all 
the parents. Right. Um, and so we were talking about, um, you know, trying to help find some people that could help direct the children's ministry and youth ministry so he didn't have to do everything. Yeah. But he was even thinking of terms of, okay, but what do we want families to look like? What are some of the practices that we want family, families to be about? And so we were talking through that, and he had two or three things that he thought, you know, that they thought their church, they wanted the families to be able to do. And I took that, this small church in the panhandle that's doing that, and I met with a, a large church in the Metroplex, and when I was talking with their family pastor, who is full-time and oversees a full-time staff of preschool children and youth, and was like, hey, this church I was talking to, they're doing this, this, this. And that family pastor was like, oh, that's a great idea. Hmm. So it's not just that these churches, these big mega churches or large churches that, you know, that I'm able to interact with, that I get these great ideas and I can put those down to the little churches so they can, you know, have the breadcrumbs of what the the big churches have, you know, sometimes just being open and listening to some of these smaller churches and these creative ideas that have to come out of some of these situations where they don't have budget, they don't have the resources, you know, I can turn those around and as I'm talking with other churches, be able to share that. So part of it is just kind of building those relationships um, and being able to, to, to visit with these churches. And so, you know, um, Primarily, we, we exist to, for Texas Baptist churches, but from where I stand, you know, if there's a youth minister or a pastor that is, you know, needs help in youth ministry, yeah, I mean, I, if it's a Bible church, non-denominational church, part of a different state convention, whether that's in Texas or a different state, they're calling to say, hey, what can we do? Man, I, I'll listen and visit with anybody that, that we could help because... I might not be able to help them, uh, but I might know somebody that can. And that conversation potentially could help another church that I visit with, you know, down the road. So that that's really a big part of that. Um, so it's done over phone conversations. It's done in-person visits. Mm-hmm. It's done. Uh, we help uh, facilitate associational training. You know that you know associations will bring in all their churches to have training uh, at the beginning of the school year, Sunday sure. school year. Um, or, or it's me going to a church and just talking with them and their, their youth workers. But that's what we do. That's our, that's our, that's what we get paid to do. We don't charge for that. It's not, we don't charge a consulting fee or anything like that. We, we go. And that's one of our biggest challenges is trying to help our churches understand, Hey, if you call us, let's find a time on the, on the calendar and, and when we could do it and work, we'll, we'll come. Like and and that won't cost them anything to to be able to do that. So, That's great. Yeah. And, and you kind of like you become this walking resource. Yeah. I mean, you you have a lot of experience. I know you wouldn't sell it like that, but like you have a ton of experience. You've seen it. You're, you're the farmer's insurance. You know a thing or two because you've seen a thing or two. Like you can't do youth ministry that long without it. And so you get to go help these guys. But then you're a walking resource in the fact that you have knowledge and you have wisdom, but you also have connections. You can connect them to this thing or this resource or yeah. it's just a cool thing. Yeah. And I, I got to do a little bit of that in Indiana with the 20 churches up there that were Baptist. And uh, so I know on this scale of Texas Baptist, it's crazy. But I, I love it when guys like you for a season or for the rest of your life or whatever, transition that role where you're helping these guys in all the different environments. I, yeah. I love that. Um, well, and it's been good, you know, uh, when Nathaniel Coons was in that role with the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention, the other state convention here, um, you know, we um, were starting to build a relationship together and talk about how yeah. were ways that we could partner together. That um, and, uh, and then he went off and um, quit. So. Yeah, Coons went and joined a church with J.R. Vasher. That's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know why. Good uh, grief! But yes, Texas, Texas, so big and so great. We have two Baptist we do. conventions. We have two Baptist conventions, and you know, in my mind, there's nothing that um, can come out of that except for something good that that we are able to reach more people for the gospel. Um, yesterday, I had lunch with the, the the guy that took Nathaniel's place, Brandon, and, uh, Brandon, yeah. and uh, and so was able to to meet him and just kind of talk with him, hear his story. Um, you know, he's brand new. I'm basically brand new in my position. So we're both kind of going through some of the same things of yeah. figuring out denominational life in Texas. And, um, 
and so, so yeah, I, I mean, I think it's important. You know, I, I was with, um, we just had our annual meeting this last week, and um, someone said, I was in a meeting with some young uh, pastors and um, the Jordan Villanueva, who is the was the outgoing second vice president who of Texas Baptist, who's now a professor at Howard Payne. Okay. And then um, Julio Guarneri. I may have just butchered that name. He made it up anyway. Yeah, he's good. the pastor at uh, Calvary Baptist in McAllen. He's the first vice president. And so they are asking these different questions. And one of the questions was, what's your elevator pitch on why, mm-hmm. why we should even be, you know, affiliated with Texas Baptist? Why? And Julio said something. In fact, I wrote it down. And then the next day I saw him and we were talking. I said, okay, I wrote this down. I want to make sure, because I'm going to quote you. I want to make sure I get it right. And what he said was, is, you know, uh, as Texas Baptist, our value is not in uniformity that we all look the same you know but it's in the cooperation and so for me uh, that that is our value as the Baptist General Convention of Texas but it's also our value and just across the board that we're cooperating even with people outside of our denomination convention whatever you know where we can find those areas that we can cooperate let's do that let's work together and in youth ministry um, like like a lot of things in ministry, most of them they don't even know what convention they're a part of or care. What they just want to do ministry. Right. And so for me, uh, the our denomination, our our state convention allows the funds and the resources for us to be able to do that. And so I I'm very thankful for that. Uh, I'm very grateful to be a Texas Baptist. Hmm. Um, but I also understand there's a need there for us just to cooperate and do youth ministry. Hmm. So that's good. And you, you'd help anybody from anywhere except maybe not Oklahoma though. Right. <laughs> no comment. Okay. Okay. You know, actually I got an email this week from Brian in Oklahoma yeah. uh, and he um, just kind of just even saying, Hey, how's things going? And so yes, even Oklahoma. Okay. I'll well maybe Oklahoma. he doesn't listen to our podcast yeah. and uh, I'll just, I'll go back and delete that or something. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so Conclave is the big deal. Like it's the big event. Everybody, I feel like everybody, maybe there's people out there that don't know what Conclave is and we need to do that. But this, you came on and they had a different role, different title. And so you expanded the Conclave plan to include family ministry as well. Mm-hmm. That just happened in October. I Go Global was there with a the booth. We, we were passing out stickers yep. and shirts and all kinds of fun like it was a festival of booths is what it was and you're in charge of conclave now so tell us how it went this year tell us the like what you i heard it's moving out of dallas next year I heard all kinds of stuff like what's what's the goal for you when you think about conclave yeah so uh, traditionally conclave has only been youth ministry right and uh, and, and it kind of was i mean it's i didn't even realize how long it had been going but over 40 years uh, conclave has been going on, uh, and so I. Your dad it, start that too? He did not. Okay. Bill Arnold started that. Okay. Um, when he was in this position, uh, and then um, you know, for four, it changed. Obviously, it it started out meeting in churches, and there mm-hmm. was like you know probably like thirty, twenty, or thirty youth ministers that came to it. Uh, I did hear uh, someone had told me. Um, that was at Conclave that had been a youth minister in the 80s that um, he always got a new suit when he got when he got ready for Conclave so he could wear his new suit to Conclave. Um, And then my dad actually told me that he got two new suits for Conclave and so it was evidently a a nicer uh, attire than a dress code um, because that's not what you would find uh, on anyone at Conclave now. No. We could pass out bow ties at our booth back in those days. Yeah. Like <laughs> well, um, Pocket squares. Yeah, that would be... With um, our logo. You could still do that, and it would be novelty. So it'd be something. Yeah. So, that you know, traditionally, it's been youth ministry, and then back in those days, there, I mean, probably the only other thing that would compete for that was Youth Specialties, National Youth Worker Convention. Yeah, right. And, uh, but obviously over the years, there's been more options and thank goodness there's other training events for youth ministry. And so we started seeing that, 
you know, kind of our our event would go up and down depending mm-hmm. on who was going to be there. It wasn't like, oh, everybody go to Conclave. And so we started noticing we needed to make some changes. Uh, and so we we were trying to listen to the people that were coming. A lot of our people that had had, uh, you know, kind of had felt uh, connected to Conclave had mm-hmm. either moved into discipleship roles or education roles or family ministry roles. And so that family minister that's kind of oversees their staffs. Uh, and so we wanted to expand it and make it so that we could uh, open up to more people and not just, you know, be in that in that youth ministry area. Um, but we also needed to kind of thread the needle that we really needed to make sure that we didn't get too far away. Uh, mm-hmm. We had several of our, when we started offering children's ministry conferences, uh, we had a couple of youth ministers that said, uh, I'm not coming if you do hand motions in the general sessions. <laughs> and, you know, we had to say, no, it's not going to go that far. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we, we really do want Conclave to be an event in Texas that you could bring a next-gen team, that you could mm-hmm. bring a family ministry team, that your preschool minister or, or volunteer, mm. your children's minister or volunteer, youth, the person that oversees that. Um, next year, we're going to try to offer some things for senior pastors and that pastoral leadership. That's cool. Um, especially for a lot of our churches that, again, they're the only staff member. How are they addressing next-gen issues in their church right. when they don't have a staff to work with? Um, and so it won't be a pastor's conference. It won't be a preaching conference. It won't be if the pastor's coming, uh, they're coming because they want to hear about next gen ministry and helping children, teenagers and their parents. And so um, it, it allows a whole lot more for us to be able to do at Conclave. Yeah. It allows for more people to be a part of it, but it also allows us to be able to, to get a whole lot more creative uh, we've added some children's ministers to our lead team um, so that there's some voices into what we're actually doing. Because mm-hmm. for a while, there was just youth pastors and family pastors, and we're kind of going, well, maybe we could do this children's ministry conference. Well, now we actually have children's ministers on that team that are going, that's not a good idea, or this would be a better person to come speak into yeah. that. And so uh, our general sessions will be general in topics they're going to be things that are dealt with more uh, across the board and then our breakouts will be uh, so that you could get training for children's ministry youth ministry and then um, and then in some different topics that everybody would want to go to a, 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 a conference on so we will be um, first time first time in 40 whatever years that it won't be in the Dallas area next wow. year uh, we'll be at First Baptist San Antonio uh, on the Riverwalk, um, October 10th through 12th. So put that on your calendars. We'd love to have you there. We do have a um, so, so for our youth pastors that are coming that may know about that, um, obviously. Um, but but for the students, um, you know, one of the values that we we have is having college students involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, we think that when they start to understand about that training and hmm. being prepared for ministry um, and getting a glimpse of that. Um, we do have a student rate that's significantly cheaper than the regular rate. And so uh, for any college student that wants to come to that. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, we, we, uh, we're excited about it. Um, and, and just being able to, to kind of move it out and do some different things. We want to move it around the state hmm. and bring it to people that may not have had ac- access to it. Yeah. Um, having it in San Antonio, it, not only does it open us up to Central Texas and South Texas, but even going into the Rio Grande Valley where uh, I don't even know what youth ministry looks like there. Yeah. Uh, I had a conversation with a youth pastor from the Valley at annual meeting and just uh, just said, man, I need to get down there. I need to figure out just I want to know how you're doing ministry and what it looks like. But when I told him that he wasn't able to come to Conclave this year, and I said, it's going to be in San Antonio next year, he was like, oh. He was like, it's closer to us than it is to you. And I said, that's exactly right. That's great. And so, um, yeah, we're excited. It's going to be a great 
great time, and we're very thankful for uh, for IGO and the support that you guys have to 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 support Conclave to be a, there as an exhibitor and and be a part of that, and and uh, that's that our exhibit our exhibit space and our exhibitors. Uh, allow us to be able to do conclave and so we wouldn't be able to do the things that we do without that and so we're very grateful for you guys well rick will be a great host at first out of san antonio there's great. no doubt about it well That's you need exactly. to put him to work in a lot of he's, ways he's on our team so oh, he's, he's our one of our perfect people on our team so he's yeah. a go-getter that rick I know. um and you didn't ask me to say this and you probably like doesn't even really matter but i just love that direction uh it this youth ministry has changed over the years, but if you're if you're a youth minister right now, and I'll say it, and so Corey didn't have to, I guess. If you're not thinking about families, if you're not in tune to what the family is doing, you might be missing out on what the calling of youth ministry really looks like. Because we we've all hopefully you've seen the studies and you know that what happens in the home is way more lasting, uh, and what we do at the in the youth group just if it complements in the home what's happening in the home, then man, some really good stuff happens. So I love that direction. I love, I love all that, that big picture that you're bringing to that. That's very, very cool for well, sure. And one of the things, even this year specifically, we've talked about is how do we help? So if we're having more teams come, even if it's just the children's minister, you know, and the youth minister that come, yeah. um, and, and not the whole team, but even if it's just those two that come, how can we help them as mm -hmm. they build relationships? Cause we know, like we can put these conferences on and we can bring in speakers, we can do all these breakouts, have these great ideas, but ultimately they're gonna go back to their churches. And if we've not done something to help them build relationships together, they're just gonna go back to doing what they've done before. Right. And, and then family ministry becomes a whole lot easier when <laughs> children's ministers, children's pastors, youth pastors, are working together and, and a senior pastor and, and yeah, see, all of that yeah. you know if, if if they're all working together that's 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 the ultimate thing but at the very least uh if i could go back and 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 do anything in my years at first baptist rockwall it would be to build a better relationship and i had a good relationship with the children's minister hmm. um and the and the children's ministry at first baptist rockwall and they're they're, they do amazing, but it was almost like they graduate, you know, from that children's ministry and, you know, it, July would come, August would come and we'd be like, oh yeah, we got to do something to get these seventh graders in. And, you know, instead of how are we actively working yeah. on that transition, preparing them for it. And, yeah. and I think, um, you know, intentionally make, building relationships with, you know, not just I mean, I can say that the children's minister and preschool minister at First Baptist Rock were all friends of mine, um, but yet an intentional relationship beyond just that friendship, but just, okay, how can we work together? How can I serve your ministry? Um, yeah. Because in the end, if I'm serving their ministry, it's going to serve the ministry that I get to shepherd uh, as well. And so um, for us, if we can create an environment where you can all come together that in and of itself is one of the things. So you're not going to, maybe you do go to a specific youth ministry sure. conference, or maybe you do go to a children's ministry conference, but you can come to Conclave and you guys can all come together and spend some time together. Um, and so that's really our goal. Um, and, and knowing that's not going to be most of the people that come. Most of the people that are going to come are probably going to come by themselves, mm -hmm. um, especially where we are now. That Obviously, uh, 80% of the people that came, they came without other people from their staff. So we'll never neglect that. In fact, we're going to try to create some ways that if you did come by, by yourself, can you network with some other youth pastors yeah. that are in some similar situations with you and, and try to intentionally get those. There's a lot of that that happens mm -hmm. just by hanging out in the exhibit Absolutely. hall. But, um, you know, we, we've been talking about some ways that, for especially that we can just create some environments where if people came on their own and they wanted to build some relationships, we'd give them those opportunities. And so. Oh, that, I love all that. Yeah. Do you have anything for guys like me who my staff came and I wish like Kai Martin didn't. So <laughs> is there any way I can get away from him for the, like, I, I don't know, man, that just makes it hard. So we need a, a Kai daycare. Is that <laughs> yeah, what you're talking about? Yeah, that, about? that would be good. 
Speaking of next gen. Wow, um, great. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you this, Corey. This will kind of be wide, and you can answer it however you want. Um, the, you, you've, this is not new to you. You've been on the Conclave team for a long time. Like, as long as I've known you, you've been helping plan that thing. But this role is new. And all the things, you're taking your experience, all, all this stuff, and you're approaching this new role. And I, we, you and I talked a little bit before March about you, you entering that role. Now that you've been in it for several months, what, what is like, what's rising to the surface? Like what's, what's on your radar? You're like, man, we, we got to figure this out. Or this is where I see a lot of my attention and my time. These are the, maybe it's the questions you're getting the most. Like what, what are the areas of youth minister, if you're talking really to a youth minister in our audience right now that you're seeing is stuff that we've got to, we, we got to give some time and attention to. Yeah, I, th- I think um, kind of the overall is just the lack of preparation for ministry. Um, hmm. and, and, and whether that's from a vocational standpoint, okay. um, so speaking specifically to that, to that youth pastor or um, our next-gen pastor or whoever, um, but just taking the time to be for them to be trained. And whether that's a – I mean, it, it – it's not just formal education, although it is. Uh, whether that's in a an undergrad Christian education or a seminary education, but just having some, uh, because there's something that comes out of that formal education beyond just the knowledge. Right. It's it's, the, it's being with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I'm I'm grateful for a lot of the online access that's out there today. But I think um, sometimes we, in some of those situations, we might miss the actual interaction with the professors, the other students. And so I think there's got to be some kind of um, training. I, I think, you know, and I know Ricky talked about this, about called to ministry in a previous podcast, but hmm. so much of my training for ministry was helping me work out my calling, the calling that I felt God had on my life. Um, you know, I, I can look back on it as a junior in high school at, uh, at Silvercliff Ranch as a, as a camper um, that I felt started feeling God's call, that he wanted me to do mm-hmm. something vocationally. And, um, but I didn't know what that meant. And I'm just thankful for my youth pastor. I'm thankful for the people at Howard Payne, where, where mm-hmm. I went to school, that continued to kind of shepherd me. I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for uh, the youth ministries I was able to intern with, Wayne McAfee um, mm-hmm. at, at First Baptist Oak Cliff, um, and, and being able to kind of just walk through that, because, it, I mean, it took six years for me to get to the end of that and go, okay, yeah, I, do, I think I really do want to do ministry. Yeah. And so I think um, just, you know, the, the calling, I think, is, is important. Um, but I think that being trained for ministry is, is, is really important to kind of work that out. And um, I get calls, um, and I'm sure you, you get them as well, but I get calls. I get two or three calls a week. Um, I got two emails yesterday from pastors that are looking for youth ministers. Mm-hmm. The jobs are out there. And there are not enough pastors and leaders to fill those positions. And so uh, I don't, it's a problem, it's an issue. Um, and um, I don't know necessarily how we, how we solve it. Um, I, but I think the overarching thing is, is training and mm-hmm. helping people get prepared, help, helping people um, understand what their their calling is and 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 working that out um knowing that it changes at at, at 22 23 um when i started at first baptist rockwall um i didn't know what i wanted to do sure um and and i could guarantee you that i did not want to do to be the as i look at my card the youth and family ministry specialist on the discipleship team i knew i did not want to do that then uh, if you'd asked me five years ago if I would want to do mm. this job today, I would say no. Um, and so I feel like that that calling to is is, is ever ch- changing, 
Uh, I mean, there's a consistency in how in that God calls, but specifically what he's calling you to changes. Um, and I feel like uh, as, as a college student, that, you know, just being involved and, and, and whether that is, you know, your, your theological training at that point or more of a, a practical training and serving in your local church or going on mission, you know, during yeah. a break or, or whatever that looks like. But I, I feel like we, we really need to, and this is my responsibility, it's something that I, I've, I've raised questions with other people in our organization of, okay, if, if calling out the called, which is you know, a phrase we like to use, mm-hmm. is important, then what are we doing about it? Um, a friend of mine that, that leads the Next Gen Ministries in Georgia um, does a, like a monthly Zoom call with high school students that um, from their camps that they they uh, that have said that they feel called to ministry. Yeah, and he just every month he meets with them and he's got a different topic. They've written a curriculum and um, that they talk about each month. And uh, one of the things so it's their kids from all over Georgia that you know may not have another kid in their youth group or their church or maybe even in their town that feels that calling. Uh, I think the community part of that. As, as you know, a lot of your listeners understand that community part of feeling like you're a part of a group that's, you know, whether that's IGO or whether that's a youth minister or whatever, I think, I think you know, those kids need that. Those high school students, those college yeah. students need that. And uh, um, he and I have been talking, and it's something I'm very interested in th- and seeing if that's something we can do here in Texas uh, just to throw out there and say, hey, if you're a high school student and you feel called to ministry mm. um, that we've we've got something that we can do once a month um, to kind of walk through that as you're thinking about it um, because for me if I wouldn't have had those other people in my life mm. that would have said um, hey it's okay you don't need to know right now <laughs> you know right. then I probably would have thought oh well then this isn't for me mm-hmm. because I don't know what I'm gonna do and all my friends know what they're going to do. Right. And they're all getting their degrees and they're all getting their first jobs and they're all, all this, all this. Mm. And, and I didn't have that clear sense, but I had people that were pouring into me going, it's okay. Just con- you know, continue to, to follow and, and search and, and, it, and God's going to reveal that. And, um, and so I feel really strongly that we need to be training people for ministry and and whether that's in youth ministry obviously that's where i feel passionate about that but you know um i i have a unique ability that using youth ministry um as this vehicle um you know there's there's there'll be students that are called to all different kinds of ministry so i you know i obviously would never want to force all of them into youth ministry but for me, it's important to identify those that are called to youth ministry yeah. and, and be able to, to, help, to help shepherd that and pass those off to people that, that can, can help them. So I, I think the training is big, um, you know, in, in, in kind of a bigger sense. Um, but also from what I've seen in, across our state is just the volunteers and the churches being trained. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of churches we see this in kids ministry and children's ministry where somebody, you know, a, a volunteer is just killing it and uh, the children's minister moves on and we like, hey, let's get them to do this. They could do this. Um, but it hasn't really happened in youth ministry mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and I, I don't know why. I don't maybe I do know one reason why is that there's not a lot of training specifically for kids ministry in uh, universities and seminaries. Sure, uh, there are youth ministry focused, although there wasn't 30 years ago. Right, and um, I think we are seeing more training specifically to kids ministry in in universities. But um, but I think we're going to see kind of the reverse on that. I think we're going to see more churches that mm-hmm. see youth leaders and volunteers. And in, uh, there's a church that that I worked with, um, and in. And they went 18 months, and this was not a small church, uh, but they went 18 months, and part of that was during COVID, but they could not find a youth, youth pastor, and wow. they weren't going to wait anymore. Hmm. So they hired two volunteers um, to be their youth ministers, 
and they both have full-time jobs. They both work in the school district, so they have their summers mm-hmm. off to do kind of the heavy lifting of the, right. the traveling of youth ministry. But then um, one kind of handles more discipleship Sunday morning and volunteers. The other one does more of the Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, from the church's perspective, just from a practical sense, they pay them the same as they would of a salary, but they don't have to pay the benefits because they already have benefits in their other job. And so uh, for them, it kind of worked. I don't know. I don't know if it'll work out. Like, I mean, you got to have two people that, but, but I've kind of kept in contact with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and one of their, one of those youth ministers was at Conclave, um, which I saw him sitting there and I'm like, Hey man, what do you what do you do? And he goes, you told me to come, so I came. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's that easy. All right. Yeah. Um, because he had to miss two days of school, wow. like to be there, you know. And so I, I just, you know, I, I think we're going to see more of that in churches where they start to call out their own uh, to serve their churches, and and you know, if that's going to happen, then I go back to the idea of okay, then how do we help prepare those people? Because mm-hmm. while they may be prepared in many ways for the business world and, and, and be able to handle some of the business parts of church work, mm-hmm. um, then, then as a state convention, partnering with universities and seminaries, how do we help then that layperson who is now being called to serve? Mm-hmm. Um, because um, it's not just um, teenagers at that point that we're working with. So it's, it's a big issue on, on kind of training people for ministry in, in my mind. Man, you're so right. Like if you're seeing churches can't find a guy to hire or you know, someone to hire for that youth ministry role, then yes, churches will start turning to their volunteers and hiring them. And then everything you just said, just only gonna escalate. Like right. the need for training, the need for quality training and all that. And then students, we have students that listen to this, but, and I heard so many different jumping off points to get involved in your church, to begin to serve, come to Conclave. I saw a lot of Howard Payne students this year, you know, that are exploring that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to know what you're doing, but come and learn and come and get training because who knows what doors God is gonna open up in that process. But all this, bro, all this is why I was like, yes, dude, you're the perfect person for this role. Like you, your passion for that training, your passion to help people, your experience, all that. I mean, I, I know we're friends, but dude, I, I just knew like you would have a perfect vision for this. And I, I hope that people reach out to you. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll give your information and stuff and tag you and all the posts on this, but like reach out to Corey, man. He can help you. He's a walking resource for sure. Let me ask you one more question. We, we, uh, we fill up the time so fast, man. You're asking about that, but it fills up. Let me ask you one more question. You've kind of already hinted at it, but I'm thinking your answer might be bigger than this. If you're starting over today, bro, and you were first jumping into youth ministry in a local church setting, what would be your, I got to do this, or I, you, know, you can do top three, you can do, no, I have to do this, or what would be your approach now that you've learned all this thing over the years? So I, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. Um, I'll kind of go back a little bit. I had amazing uh, training for ministry, hmm. in, um, and at Howard Payne, um, you know, there, and a, a lot of our universities are doing this now. I mean, I know DBU has some great things happening, and um, Wayland has some really good, I, I, you know, you said a bunch of Howard Payne students, but Wayland you used to bring and sometimes does bring students to, to Conclave as well. In fact, one of the uh, children's ministers that's on our lead team first started coming to Conclave when she was a college student yeah, at Wayland. That's cool. And then, you know, and so, yeah, we've got a lot of our universities that are, that are really uh, looking at not just the theological uh, preparation for ministry, but then the practical mm-hmm. aspect of, of how you do ministry. Um, from my experience at Howard Payne with Dr. Gary Gramling, um, who started the youth ministry program there. He's a he's and greatness. Then, and then now Rusty Wheelington and Chuck Gartman, who are uh, also a part of that program. Um, Dream they, team. There it is. Mm-hmm. There they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I have no, I will, I am not shamed or I, they, if you want to study youth ministry, that would be an amazing place mm-hmm. to go. 
Um, there, but like I said, there are many other places you could go, but that is my school and I support them and, and love what they're doing. Stingers. Sting, uh, sting them jackets. Sting them. Yeah, yeah, whatever. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're yellow jackets that are yellow instead of <laughs> whatever we got where we are ball. here. Yeah. Orange, mm-hmm. um, angry orange, angry, but, uh, so I, you know, and, and all those classes and, and they would bring in youth ministers that were actually doing youth ministry and talk about mm-hmm. like, it's that head knowledge of mm-hmm. you need to spend, you know, and I, and they sp- say spend time, but I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of more in your headspace. You need to be thinking about students, adult volunteers, and mm-hmm. parents. Yeah. All three of those things need to be a part of, you know. Um, but once you get into youth ministry, like those, the parents and the volunteers are kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. Right. Um, and I think um, even knowing that, I, those first few years of ministry, and thankfully I had the opportunity to uh, intern and be an associate for two years at uh, at First Baptist before I was actually given here you go. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think that importance of those adult volunteers and building a team, I think by the end, we had a really great volunteer team that, you know, I felt like they were, they were really humming and really serving and really understood the vision for ministry. And they, I mean, they would consider themselves youth ministers and um, and and then also, I started at the very end there, really understanding the importance of parents, and that was really my transition into family ministry mm-hmm. was understanding. All right, we I would like to have a little bit more influence over all of these parents, and not just seventh through twelfth grade. And so I think for me, uh, starting all over again, um, having it's not so much. Oh yeah, I guess I got to get those adult volunteers on board. Oh yeah, I guess I got to get those, those parents on board, but understanding those two things on board makes the, the youth part of it a whole lot easier. Yep. Like having those people, having a team that, um, is that you could lead, um, and, and that will follow you and that Mm -hmm. you can learn from and that they can give you some pushback on, Hey, I don't know if we should be doing this. Yeah. And okay, well then let's figure out a different way to do that. Um, and then having parents equally on board, it makes the time that you spend with students that much sweeter. Hmm. And uh, and it's not so much, oh yeah, that's just a necessary evil. That's a part that makes the yeah. youth ministry complete. And so, um, you know, I learned that. And so again, I we can sit here and talk about this. Mm-hmm. And somebody that's studying for youth ministry can be like, yeah, 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 I know all that. Um, but if you... You know, as a young youth pastor, there's an intimidation factor there of, oh, these people are older than me. Mm-hmm. You know, these people, I'm, I'm, you know, at that point, I wasn't even married and much less to have kids. Right. Like, I for sure didn't have a teenager in my house. Yeah. Um, in my mind, lean into that and, and just lay it all out there and say, I'm not this and you are. Yeah. So I need you to help me understand what are some ways that we can do this. And that's there's nothing there's nothing but positive things that's going to come from that absolutely and be a part of your your ministry no that's you see it all the time the young youth ministers we were all there and they 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 relate the best to the kids and so they they all of a sudden you don't ever say it out loud but you feel like you're the superhero like well i I can do all this Mm -hmm. and man when you when you open yourself up and see those parents as resources and partners and teammates like it changes the game and uh i I was hoping you would say something like that because okay. I've seen Good. seen those mistakes made in so many different ways. Well, you you brought up Rick Henderson at First Baptist San Antonio. Yeah, and you know the the really cool thing is that I see a lot of, and when he I mean he's still young, but even when he was younger, when he first mm-hmm. got there, uh, I saw him doing that, and I was like, man, that's a young youth pastor that's leaning into his. So it's mm-hmm. and it, and it did nothing but help his youth ministry and where he's doing. And um, I think probably along with that, you know, he, Scott Lane was the youth pastor Mm -hmm. that he worked. uh, They kind of, he transitioned into an executive pastor role and they kind of flip flop. I mean, he, he served under him for a little while and they did a, you know, transition thing and uh, having another older mentor, youth pastor, you know, somebody, even if it's not in your church, 
that can kind of you mm-hmm. can pour into you. Um, I think that's also equally important that you've got somebody. I think, you know, Rick had the training to be able to do that. Rick had a situation where he could do that, but Rick also had Scott there mm-hmm. that could pour into him as well. And so I think that's that's also equally important. Yeah, because Rick even – he's a higher-paying guy too, right? Yeah. He's, he's I, with Rick Cavett. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. He, he, back he, to, right, yeah. learning under Rick Learning Rick under well. the best. And yeah. if, if you're listening right now, you don't have somebody speaking into you that's a little bit ahead of you in youth ministry, let Corey be that guy or let Corey connect you to somebody. I'm not going to put it all on Corey. He's, there's only one of him. Yeah. But, yeah, man, that is that is a, a big deal for sure. Corey, we want to – I want this to be the first of our uh, podcast episodes with you, especially in this role. Like I think you speaking into youth ministry, helping students, helping student ministers, I think that's huge. I want to say I'm glad we finally got you on the show, and I want to publicly apologize for having Jared Hawkins on before I had you no, on here. no. But that's not because we didn't try, bro. Like, you were busy with that's Conclave. And well, I'm glad Jared got to come on. Yes. Jared's, Jared's very wise. Got a lot of wisdom to speak in. I like that guy. And we, anytime you got somebody that served our country and, and the that's Army, true. like, we're going to give him respect. But still, we yeah. should have gone with you first, Corey. <laughs> like, let's just be honest. But um, I hope that you like the music I brought in for the end of the podcast. That's always the fun part for me. I love and, it. Uh, it's yeah, great. Uh, I get... I get compliments and complaints and i love them all so that's just part of it but uh thanks for being on the live on mission podcast thank you enjoyed it